Melanated family, welcome to a brand new episode of the Melanated Convo Podcast, the Black History Month edition. Family, you know, every week, most of the shows every week, I'm talking about something about our history, something that can be relative, but this month, we're going to do it up a little more. You know what I mean? Right. Me and my sister Sonia is going to talk about specific individuals from our history that some of us may not be aware of. Of course, we're going to incorporate that with some of the news stories that we talk about weekly. Again, this is the Melanated Convo Podcast. It's your brother Harrison, my co-host every Thursday, Sonia Williams-Lewis. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the Melanated Convo on YouTube. You can find the show on Facebook. You can find it on YouTube. All the digital platforms, if you want to hear us chop it up on there, you can do it as well. So how are you doing today, Sonia? I was tired, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. As we were talking <laughs> offline, it's like we are of that age, but we know how to do the things, the right things to manage how we come and go, how we show up in the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes we got to put naps on our schedule. Sometimes we have to take a break and sit back and be like, hmm, I don't have the capacity for that. So today was a very heavy day and I needed a nap and I got one in. So I'm ready to go. Yeah, and I'm and I have to tell myself I'm so used to running rampant and thinking because I'm doing so many things and I'm actually getting something done. Where sometimes you need to take a step back and shit, take a damn nap. <laughs> Even if it's 15 minutes, you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, family, thank you for joining us today. Today what we're gonna talk about, of course, we have a couple news stories that we're gonna get to. One of the news stories we're going to focus on a little more than normal is the idea of teaching black history at home. This is Black History Month. We're going to give you some specific individuals that you can look up and teach your kids about. But really, we're going to talk about how, you know, these things should be taught at home and and using anything going on as a motivation to actually do that. Right. So first thing I want to talk about, you know, and my sister, Sonia creator of Ascribe Educational Consulting, by the way. Get your company right. Get get that racist lean out the company. I know y'all don't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Y'all see everything going in, on in the news and don't know how to address it in-house. It. Well, yeah. she'll come in there and help you address it. You feel me? So every time I see something happening between young people, yeah. it's interesting to get my sister's take. So a few days ago, Sonia, I seen a video of a couple white girls. I'm going to play the video now. Young Caucasian school girls, right? It's Black History Month. So they're playing a joke on each other where she's spraying her face with black paint and they're making jokes about Black History Month and really jokes about our culture, right? So I'm going to play it really quickly here. Give me a second to find it. And this is important to me, y'all, because sometimes we get under the impression that these are just children, which Yes, it is. And kids do foolish things when they're children, all races of children. And you you shouldn't be condemned all the time by what you did when you were a child. But in our society, when we look at white children and some of the instances of violence and things that actually happens and the racist innuendos that we see, sometimes this shit gets started when they're teenagers. So we need to address it. So I want everybody to take a close look at this real quick. And, you know. Tell me how you feel about it. Tell me you would do what you would do in an instance if your black child was witnessing this or seen their white friend did this. How, how do you think they should approach it and how should we approach it in, 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 in 2023? So let's take a look at it. Let me see here. Hold on one second, family. I'm going to play that again. Hold on. Let me get myself off mute. Hold on one second, family. I'm going to play that again. I don't think that came up clear. I think my uh, my Wi-Fi is tripping on me right now. But I'm going to play that again. I want to write this from the beginning. I apologize for the wife issues, family. Let me play that for you guys one more time. I'm going to put myself and Sonia on mute 
but I'm gonna play it for you one more time. You know your roots. It's February. Your mom is never letting anyone in. You're nothing but a slave. <laughs> <laughs> After this, she's doing my laundry. Yeah, my just takes this shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and at the end, she screams, I'm black and I'm proud, right? So, obviously, what these teenage white girls are doing, this is in Philadelphia family, they're basically mocking our yeah. culture, right? And sorry, sorry, sorry for the internet issues. I was just trying to make a, make a point. And, you know, I know sometimes we talk about not showing incidents of racism or how, you know, the, directly how these things affect us. But I like to show it and hear it sometimes so you can hear how people outside of our community think about us, Sonia. So when we look at this video, like I said, these are teenagers. Teenagers make mistakes. We've all been there where we do things we regret. But the animus of racialized incidents always seems to show themselves later in life when we talk in Caucasian Absolutely. people. This is real shit. You know what I mean? So when you see yeah. teenage girls conduct those like this, Sonia, is this just a joke to you or can this be something serious? So first, let me just say that um, I don't know who I'm quoting, but I'm quoting somebody I know. Brilliant. They said, and I want to say it's my girl Imani Blair in New York. And I want to say she said, if our children are old enough to experience it, then white children are old enough to know better about it. Hmm. I also want to add on to that. When COVID hit, and the schools were super unorganized and they didn't have a schedule and they were doing this, you know, distance learning. They didn't have to be online at a certain time. It just was, it was almost like we're sending you home with packets. That's how I felt as a parent is that my mm -hmm. kids were being sent home with packets, told to log on and clock in a certain number of hours until they got themselves organized where the teachers were actually there. Mm -hmm. During that time, I saw that as a problem. And I started because I felt like it was a need a black educational program that I still do to this day every summer called the teach-in. Teaching time for revolutionary hmm. minds. Kids five to 18 have been in my teaching over the past three years. I will tell you the five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds, they are watching and they know exactly what they're experiencing. They know that they can call out right from wrong from the gate. So if mm -hmm. our babies know that this is wrong, you can't tell me that a bunch of teenage girls don't know that this is wrong. And granted, yes, teenage years, we do some dumb shit. I can remember being a high schooler and um, my little crew, we went to this Chinese restaurant down the street on Florin Road, for, not far from the school. I ain't going to name the mm -hmm. name of the establishment. <laughs> they might try to get, come back and get the bill. And one at a time, we dispersed to the bathroom and dipped out on the bill. Mm -hmm. We knew it was wrong. We yeah, wanted we, to see yeah, it. We all been there. Yep. And then we hit the bill underneath the little turn thing that they had on the table mm -hmm. so that we, the person who was left behind was could be just like, oh, we gave it to y'all. We paid for it. <laughs> but we knew what we were doing is yeah. my point. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say I didn't do shit. I'm not going to say that I wasn't, I didn't have moments of immaturity. I'm not going to say that I didn't make decisions that could have changed my life for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I think that all kids go through that period, but these kids knew better. They not only made reference to black history in a very derogatory manner, mm -hmm. the girl who's videoing is even using, in my opinion, things like bruh, like that's a colloquialism of black community. You yeah. don't get to say bruh and then in the next turn talk about oh my mom like it's cavalier like it's so like this is what it is mm -hmm. so no they don't get a pass i don't care how young they are remember we talked about last week the um the um little rock nine as they were integrating little rock high school as they walked in those were teenagers in the crowd yelling yeah. and screaming at them negative yep. epithets so no this country, and, and, I, and I also want to, I, I just, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there is an indoctrination of young white youth 
for white nationalism that the history of this country, um, psychologists have been examining the history of that for forever. Mm. And you know the sweet spot? The sweet spot is 12 and 13. So if 12 these and girls, 13. 12 and 13, if they're indoctrinated at this age and start to believe the shit that they're talking about in this video, by the time that they're 15 to 18, they're completely indoctrinated. And then as they become adults entering into the adult world, they use those narratives that they've already put into their brain and they use them against us in yeah. the workplace, out in the street. These yeah. are how um, bar fights happen, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw a, a video on one of my favorite um, um, Instagram pages where a older white man saying to a black man in a restaurant, the N-word was a hard, hard E-R. These mm -hmm. are two older men. And that man slapped him so many times. I mean, he didn't punch him. He didn't try to beat him, you know. But yeah. he, you could hear the slap. <laughs> Bam. It was like, whew, it was almost like I, I can imagine the lashes that our ancestors took with each one of those slaps. And he yeah. said it multiple times. They mm -hmm. know what they're doing. And they start at a young age. They learning it from somewhere. I wore yesterday my T-shirt that says, Racism is taught, not born. It's taught, not born. And that's why we shouldn't take these incidents lightly because I don't want to be harsh on any um, American children, just to be honest. Yeah. But being black in America, most kids aren't treated like us. We're not allowed to be children. We're not allowed to make teenage mistakes. Some of these mistakes we make end up costing us our life or our freedom life. or other things. You see what I'm saying? But Absolutely. these white kids have the ability to go about life this way, and it ends up being a, ne a, 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 a negative effect on us. Because really, when we look at the the mass uh, school shootings, right? Right. Predominantly, these are young white men. See? So we need to be honest. If America had a problem with it, Make it a phenomenon. Do specials about it. Dig into why are these young white men so mad are they doing with, this? People, with people, with racism, whatever right. they're going through. Why Why aren't y'all digging in deep and going into this community and finding out what's going on? Because y'all know what's going on. Y'all know what's been going on. When we look at back in the day when they used to have picnics, pick a nigga, where they would be a picnic where they watching niggas getting hung up. Tell These the were truth. kids. They brought their children. Everybody. In their Sunday's best. This wasn't like a um, I'ma hide this activity right. from a young, fragile mind. Right. Nah, this is what nah. we do. And so this connects to what we are experiencing and the marginalization and the continued erasure of the truth about what America is. It's a very violent and racist place from its core concept yeah. starting with colonization starting with white folks saying oh i discovered something oh i can get over on somebody oh i can steal something right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is why don DeSant ron DeSantis is afraid right yeah because he's afraid that the children the grandchildren the great-grandchildren of the racist kkk from back in the day those prominent leaders white leaders from back in the day that they they young people gonna look at them and be like Y'all motherfuckers was really, really like violent. Yeah. This is some stuff that I would never associate myself with. Yeah. And it's and we... the awakening that mm -hmm. of a collective of people. And I really and truly think that while, yes, these are young people who are doing this, I think mm -hmm. that there are more young people who are their peers who would totally check they, that shit and be like, yeah. nah, that ain't cool. Mm -hmm. That ain't cool. And that's mm -hmm. the awakening that I think is very different from when you and I grew up, when our parents grew up. There wasn't this collective white and other non-black, right, mm -hmm. who collectively were like, nah, that's not cool. Yeah. And so everybody, me and Sonia is talking about a video I just played of some high school or, or, or just teenage white females who were basically mocking Black History Month, spraying black paint on one of her white friend's face, as we've seen in many videos before where Caucasian people think this is funny, and we're looking at kids' joke, but it ain't funny when a Trayvon Martin end up killed. It ain't no. funny when one of these motherfuckers end up on a police force years later with that same ideology. Yeah. We need to be honest, when other people outside of our community feel a particular way about us, it can end up ending our life or affecting our livelihood. And this don't happen in our community. 
right. family. We on Halloween, I've been in a lot of hoods around my city. I know a lot of black folks. We're not dressing up like a derogatory white person to make fun of white people. We don't even think that way. No. We gonna we gonna reflect on some shit you did to us, but just making a mockery of you, I don't see that a lot. Especially no. if something that's been like a travesty to your people. So we got to understand what this is, Sonia. So yeah. we have to bring it to light and let our now. And then, like I was asking everybody, Sonia, for parents real quick, before we go into the next topic, for parents real quick, you have a kid in school. Your kid comes home and tell you like the uh, slave auction we were talking about. They had in the high school. Your kid witnesses this. And no one says nothing because this was at their home or something. Right. What, but what if this was in the locker room, in the bathroom? Right. How does a and black so we kid... know that these instances are happening. We've yeah. seen an, an uprising. And, and I don't want to put all the earnest on Donald Trump's presidency, but we're seeing an uptick or a more proudness about what whiteness looks like in this mm -hmm. country. And mm -hmm. so because there's a you're not going to do nothing to me anyway kind of mentality that goes yeah. along with this um yeah. this this narrative yeah. this way of thought mm -hmm. um they're thinking that they're not going to get caught unfortunately mm -hmm. you know we've seen in yuba city which is not far from us in in sacramento yeah. where an entire football team they were like no we're you can't play no slave sorry auction. because y'all gonna do these racist things we gonna yep. check you right mm -hmm. but you're right if the kids that are the peers don't say anything. My kids are going to say something. Your kids My are going to say something. Yeah. And so I always say to those parents out there who might give, these are the conversations we have to have, like give your children permission to come to you with anything and making sure that they understand that they're not the one that's going to get in trouble because they mm -hmm. was in the room with, or they may mm -hmm. have even laughed too. And, you know, they was trying to get out the room and the only way to get out the room sometimes is to code switch. You know, we got to play the game. There we go. Come on now. Or that's little Johnny who lived down the street. And me and little Johnny been playing together since we was four years old. I don't mm -hmm. give a damn. If little Johnny is being taught at home by old grandpa Joe that he don't, he ain't supposed to play with you anyway, eventually that's going to come out. Eventually that's going to come out. And we need to be honest as black people. The Some of the biggest reasons I speak about our history in the, in the parental connection between it is because we don't want kids to internalize, internalize, excuse me, this travesty, which is racism and white supremacy. You Absolutely. can stop it by just being honest with them and you first creating a passion or an understanding or a spirit in you that wants to see this stopped. You have to do that, Black people. Then yeah. when you talk to your kids about it, when you because I have a my youngest son goes to a private school. And it's a lot of white children. And he has white friends, but he's Malcolm X. Like his way of thinking, how he know we think he's he's a rebel, but he's not mean to people. He doesn't judge people. See, yeah, there's yeah. a way to do this. People tell yeah. me all the time, you need to quit talking about racism and white supremacy. Then they ask, end up coming to me talking about, I see what you're saying now. We shouldn't have to go through nothing right. to realize right. this system is flawed. You see what I'm saying? So black parents, and this is going to be the theme of the show, figure out a way to get comfortable with our history. Absolutely. Pick out figures from our history. Buy your grandkids black baby doll. Yeah. Um, get get books about people in black. There's ways you can do it that won't be as shocking as you think it may be. You know what I mean? So right. next thing I want to talk about, because we, we talked about this Santis in Florida. Me and you have been speaking about that a lot. But something that I appreciate, Sonia, in you know, going back to me and my brother Jermaine had a conversation on Tuesday about um, exclusion and how exclusion has hurt us as a people. But in this way, exclusion sometimes helps us. Black yeah. parents in Florida um, upset about the resolve in black history not being taught the, 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 the AP African-American studies class. Parents in Florida are taking it upon themselves to say, you know what, if the if the elected officials in this state don't see fit to teach my children about these things. Right. I'll do it myself. So being yeah. a teacher yourself, Sonia, how important is that mentality after being quote unquote um, excluded from something? Yeah, it's critical. Like 
I would do an assessment of my students at the the first day of school. I'm looking at, I've already looked at names and tried to, you know, speculate, okay, this kid is, you know, this ethnicity. Maybe mm -hmm. this kid is first generation. Maybe they don't speak a lot of English or this kid is X number generations from this neighborhood and their parents' parents went to, you know, this school. So mm -hmm. I, I try to make that assessment at the beginning of every school year, but seeing their faces, it puts it, you know, squared dab on my responsibility. So one of the things that I would do as a teacher, I taught history, so it made it easier for me, but I, I truly believe, and, and I've been a, a senior teacher in position to train new teachers that come in. Um, I truly believe regardless of your subject, you can find things that represent students of color in every subject. So I don't mm. care if it's math, if it's reading, if it's writing, if it's science, every subject, there are people other than white folks who have contributed to the growth of that subject. And mm -hmm. so I can remember my last teaching assignment being at Kennedy High School right here in um, Sacramento. And I would say about a third of my, and I worked in a specialized program. So we had to recruit um, students of color. And I would say a third of my students were, you no, know, maybe about a fourth of my students were black. A third were um were Asian API. Um, and then a huge percentage were still white. And then maybe a third was um a little less than a third was um Latinx. Got it. But it was diverse because we had to have those numbers. Every school situation don't have to have those numbers. But what I would do at the in this, my my class was teaching them about law enforcement culture, right? Mm. And I didn't care. I showed them the Joy Luck Club to represent Asian history. I showed them Mi Familia to represent Latinx history, just the dynamics of the family and um, soul food. Now, people mm. might be saying, oh, these are not real. No, they're not. The point of it is that it's fiction, that it's fun, it's lighthearted. But what they were tasked to do after we watched those three movies was to figure out the similarities. So oh, that we smart. can then not have these hangups about who, one who's in the room. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. a way to include mm -hmm. what they're doing in Florida is saying that because you can't and we're going to ban this and we're saying no to this, families are feeling the responsibility. And I believe that we should have, you know, you and I very much agree on we got to be doing some things at home to equip mm -hmm. our young people. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate problem with that is it can lead to um, conflict in the streets because then white kids going to be like, where you learn that from? Mm -hmm. Or I don't believe you, you making up stories yeah. because it's not coming from an educational adult authority figure, mm -hmm. right? The other thing that I think is very crucial in that piece is it instills pride. It go back to what we were talking about last week. Y'all can go back and watch the video, but Dr. Carter G. Woodson was very intentional about why he wanted to have Negro History Week. It was mm -hmm. to instill pride in black folks. He wasn't worried about everybody else. Yep. True, true. He wasn't. If we focus on ourselves, we can then see beyond the bullshit that we got to go through every day and still set our sights on the goal that we want to achieve for ourselves. And I think yeah. that that's the power in it. Let them catch up on their own because they. I, I'm, I'm now, Google is everybody's friend. Yep. These kids can find out literally anything. Mm -hmm. Google is your friend. So when I, I tell my kids, if, if a kid want to challenge you about something that you didn't learn, if a teacher wants to challenge you about something that you've learned at home, tell them to Google it. Tell them tell why you got to show up and lie about black history and what black yeah. folks had to go through in this country and what they've contributed to this country. Tell them to Google it. Yeah. And we can't be afraid to challenge the status quo. Like everybody isn't going to go along to get along. I see a lot of different situations in our society where a black person will tell me, well, pretty much this individual shouldn't have rocked the boat. Another part of black history that you should appreciate. Right. If, no, if nobody rocked the boat, then really there's been small strides made. I don't think it's been nearly enough, but some of those strides that have been made is because individuals one day said, fuck this. Right. Not today. See? Not today. So if everybody just go along and get along, we're going to have a problem. So black parents, I can't tell you enough. And I'm a father of five who had 
four kids in my 20s, and I did not see the value of these things early on. And people say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it does because a part of the history piece is a pride in self because yes. I couldn't even appreciate black history until I started to appreciate myself. It Absolutely. helped me figure out who I am. It helped me figure out where, where I come from and put things in perspective and kind of gave me a roadmap. This can happen for everybody. And then with my, my, especially my younger children, it was a matter of me just being myself. I'm going to lectures. I'm going to rallies. I'm going, and I'm just bringing them. Yes. And then I realized, wait a minute, he got like a revolutionary spirit, but we, I got to look back at the activities that he's yeah. been a part of. Yeah. Same as if you bring your kid to church. If you right? bring your kid to Perfect an example and make them go, they're going to have an affinity for it, whether you want them to or not, bad yeah. or good. They're going to have a perspective on it. Absolutely. That's all we're saying. That yeah. That's all we need to do for Black history. So in the spirit of that, right, in the spirit of needing to understand the different individuals from our history, I have a couple of people I'm going to mention here today. Sonia can chime in. She she being a teacher, sometimes I can just bring her something and she's going to know who I'm talking about. That's lovely. But that's not how it is most of the time in our community. Right. A lot of us don't see fit to know about these individuals. But you should, right? Because yeah. a big part of our history that we we talk about reparations and what we want and why sh why we should be included, why we're upset, Black people have fought in every war, right? Sonia, you know this. So one of the individuals who's considered to be the first black casualty, the first black casualty in the war, really, in the American Revolutionary War, is a brother by the name of Crispus Attucks, who is being, who has been immortalized as the first casualty of the American Revolutionary War yeah. and the first African-American her uh, hero. He was in the front line of about 50 patriots defying B British troops when suddenly shots were fired. Crispus was the first person shot and killed with two bullets in the chest in the historic event that has become known as the Boston Massacre. Now, four men died and six were wounded. One man died later from his wounds as an African-American patriot. Crispus Attucks represents the 5,000 African-American soldiers who fought for independent America. And like I was saying, Sonia, this brother and it's several different individuals like Crispus Attucks. But I need y'all to know when we ask for reparations, Sonia, when we say it needs to be fair now, I when I say I help build the country, I mean bricks and stones and paint, like real yes. paint. We was yes. helping build it. When I say we've been a the, some of the biggest patriots, Crispus Attucks is a great example of that, Sonia. Perfect. Yes, and and I, I you know I get I get I got a little edge. You you know we already talked about that and and having a degree and really was very intentional. I dug into like history being one of my favorite subjects. My I grew up in a household where my um my mother was very um pro black mm -hmm. we had black jesus on the wall like there literally <laughs> right um both of my parents all three of my parents were um college educated um my stepfather my bonus father um we called him papa he had a degree in in um um black social studies so mm -hmm. he integrated the california uc system um, and was one of the first in this state to even get a degree in ethnic studies because, wow. you know, he and his classmates fought for it. So I just always had things that looked like us around the house. And because my mother was so pro-education and I was watching her get her college degree from the time that I could pick up a book. I started reading at age two and three. Mm. And so the books that were at our house were books about black folks. We had like a full set of encyclopedias and I would be like, mama, why we ain't in these encyclopedias? You know, other than MLK, other than Rose, you know, we talked about that as well. The top five, we, in most of those encyclopedia sets back in the day, we weren't included. Yep. And so she said, I got these other books to talk about us because they don't always talk about us. And, mm -hmm. and so I've learned to appreciate the the realization that there's a fear factor for white folks to reconcile what their ancestors have done. And, and I don't want to make any white folk today. I'm going to let me say this loud and clear for you that you share this with your ally friends or your friends who you think are not racist, right? Because there's one thing to be not racist and to be anti-racist, two totally different concepts. Mm -hmm. 
but we got to make sure that people are anti-racist. And if you are having content conversations with folks, one of the things that I urge people is just to like having a conversation about where are we getting our information? How are we sharing our information? Mm. And the earnest should not always be on us. We've done enough labor in this country to build mm. this country, feed this country, and make this country be a world power leader mm-hmm. that we we can't hold that bag no more. And we, so yeah. I, I'm grateful that our ancestors, you know, sacrificed life and limb and body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there was a sacrifice also of genius that they we didn't get credit for. That's what reparations is. And, and so I need white folks to understand that today you weren't responsible for what your ancestors did yesterday. But today you benefit mm-hmm. from what your ancestors did yesterday. My ancestors were oppressed, traumatized, beaten, some killed. Because in the name of white supremacy and racism. Mm-hmm. And so today, the off the the repercussions that we experience is called oppression. It's so called you oppression. have a benefit, yeah. we have an oppression. Yep. Still today. So that's yep. the conversation that we need to be having about reparations. But run me my coins. I need that check. I'm looking <laughs> for it to happen sooner rather than later. I'm yeah. hoping that our California reparations team gets this done, knock this yep. out of the park. We know that there are templates that are going on, conversations all over this country. And mm-hmm. even around the world, European countries are having mm-hmm. these conversations about what they owe. My, mm-hmm. my, Let me tell you, my fourth grader came to me the other day and said, um, Queen Elizabeth old slave owned slaves. I said, baby, I know. She said, he said, well, then that means England owe us some money as part of that reparations package. There we go. There we He's go. And, and I know, excuse me, I know black folks who will tell me, we don't need no money. How are we gonna do it? All these different things. Look, I know we're a prideful people. See, I get how y'all is. I know that our history and we prideful, we're gonna make lemonade out of lemons but nah put your pride to the side look up how many different sets of individuals have been given certs a different type of reparations or restitution whatever you want to call it for getting enslaved for getting bombed for getting poisoned hundreds of reasons different individuals have gotten reparations don't play with me if y'all can come up with a COVID package in nine months where you got this detailed ass, complicated ass system online to give people little bitty checks. Yeah. You can figure it out. So they can make money anytime they want to make money. Make that yeah. money for black reparations, make it happen and just run them checks. And I hear people, uh, you know, there. if you don't want to check yourself personally, give it to another black person who you know is in need. And and that's, that's a reality. That's a conversation that we can really and truly have and wrap our, our brains around. Right. Because mm-hmm. yes, there are some people who have made it to a level who are like, ah, I don't need this, but they also recognize that people who look like them do need it. Right. Yeah. And so they might not want the hand out. So to speak, but they can impact the rest of our collective community by making sure that those funds are redirected to those who have the same need based on being black and and just born in America. Yeah. And some black people like to be completely honest. We have to understand some of us um, are into materialism and haven't gotten out of certain things and hasn't and haven't had things materially. So we just want that car. We just want that something that we ain't had before. Look, that's a percentage of us. There's going to be a big percentage of us who take that money and do their best to Bubble change the up. world. We That's are a smart people. I mean, yeah. think about after emancipation and all the black enclave cities and towns and communities that sprung up all over this country. Mm-hmm. We are a brilliant people that when we put our minds to, oh, I want to do now. I got some funds where I can pay for law school. I, the things that prevent us from doing some of the things in this world have to do with money. So people got to get off their high horse talking about, oh, I don't need their money. And But no, this isn't about the dollar amount. It ain't about a physical check. I'm saying my my babies for the next three generations deserve, and I'm being generous by saying three generations. Yeah, yeah. They deserve a free education in this country, period. If you are a descendant of a slave. Yep, and however y'all want to dice it up, 
That's how you dice it up. It's hella different conversations going on. Yes. And I'm getting better at deciphering. Nah, we having two different conversations. All my immigrant brothers and sisters. I know some who say, nah, I'm in America with y'all, but y'all deserve the money based on y'all went through or right. based on what y'all went through. I know some who like, nah, they kind of like, I came here. I don't know why y'all need the money. They disconnecting themselves. Hey, man, look, let's have separate arguments. If you come from Haiti, if you come from a Caribbean entity, white people owe you money, too. Yes. <laughs> we, can, yes. We, can, we can go after who owe you money next. And, and I know in certain countries they have created organizations to fight for what they deem to be reparations. Let's not convolute the argument and do this divide and conquer shit because right because you know my, that that's what they're gonna do that's what and always we gotta be ready we have to be ready for that i don't want people who aren't down with the black cause acting like they are but i'm gonna be contextual about who should get what and we all should be fighting together if yes. you're from the caribbean and they owed you money we can get you next we in america though we have right. to deal with what happens here and People come to this country and benefit from the fact that we've been enslaved and we worked here and we opened up doors for immigrants to come here and come benefit here. and they benefit more than us. That's a so, fact. Yes, sometimes that is a reality that I, I look back and I'd be like, wow. So we can be mad and we ain't even mad. And we get mad about it. And y'all done bubbled up in America. And we came here. Get, yes. Then yes. look at me and say, why, 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 why am I lazy? Right. I said, oh, come on, man. No, no, nah, we can't have that conversation. Because they want us to. They want us to. And we need to be able to do the math and know how America, some of the people from the um, foreign entities, they allowed you to come here for reasons, unbeknownst yes. to you, possibly. Yes. You may not have known, known you were a part of a ploy, but some of you were. And you were given a slight leg up. And some of you were even told, you know, stay away from the American Negro. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to say something because, you know, in regards to the people who, who, if they, if they run us a check and it's a, you know, it's, if it's cash and Pookie and them in the hood, I am not going to be mad at Pookie and them in the hood for going and blowing their money on some sneakers, a car or whatever, right? Something that's going to depreciate immediately when they slide the card. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be mad at them because you want to know what Pookie and them is stimulating the, the economy. Yep. And so there's going to be a fraction of folks that America is then again going to bubble up again. So mm -hmm. like when the, when COVID happened and everybody got their checks, people felt more comfortable yeah. going out and spending more money because yeah. they got it was free money from the government. Yeah, it's going to do the same thing. Buying a house is good for the economy, for everybody starting a business. Yeah. And having seed money to start a business and to yeah. start it on a solid foundation, it stimulates the economy. Getting an education that you couldn't afford otherwise stimulates the economy because what does it do? It puts you in a higher tax bracket so that when you get that job, you turn around and you stimulate the economy. We have yep. to stop having these conversations that are counterproductive because yep. if we don't do this, if we don't recognize one that it it morally needs to be done and it's the only way to address the moral wrong that went along with colonization slavery capitalization capitalism on black bodies mm -hmm. christianity being indoctrinated to say you got to fear for your life or you know god wants you to die if you don't ma mind your man master there you go yep all yep. of these things yep and that we were used as guinea pigs in the medical profession mhm mm Mm -hmm. There would not be a study of gynecology or psychology with white men as the doctors telling us that we don't experience pain. So that now when a Serena Williams, who's a millionaire, maybe even a billionaire, is literally bleeding internally and the doctors are saying, go home, you ain't having the pain that you saying that you had and was about to bleed to death. These are all facts. So everybody should be aware of what's happening to us in this country. And it's not an anger tool no. more so than an empowerment mechanism. That's what we try to tell everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Melanated Convo Podcast. This is my sister, Sonia Williams-Lewis. We talking about black history. We talking about some stories pertaining to how different races the kids see us. You see what I'm saying? This is important, man. Hit the like button, share digital platforms, continue to subscribe and listen to what we are doing. Last thing I want to talk about, because we talked about Christmas addicts and that's an example of a black man who died in the name 
of defending the 13 colonies, i.e. Yeah. America. He was defending what was then America, right? And this yeah. is in the height of him being a <laughs> him being a nigga to, yeah. to the masses. And what did he do now? I live here too. See, this, this patriotic attitude that black people continue to have, and I appreciate it, but sometimes it got to be mixed with the rebel spirit too. Right. Because you being nice with devils, and if you in that playground, they not playing the right, what you supposed to do. You see what right. I'm saying? So I feel both ways, but all this is important. The last person I want to talk about, when we talk about slavery and how bad it was, right? We see a lot of movies and depictions of how we were beat and how it was destitute and we were scared and the men were raped, the women were raped. All this is true. We were sold, bought and sold, slave auction, like in the, the first stock, like the first thing on Wall Street. <laughs> This country is so the first thing on the first thing on Wall Street was Negroes. Yeah. Okay. Before you can trade anything else, you can trade Negroes. So we understand this, but it's important that we understand, Sonya, that everybody didn't go for the bullshit. Right. Some of us, a lot of us, looked around, got whipped last night. Right. You seen your girl get raped, and you said, "Tomorrow we running." I'm dying or I'm running, but I ain't staying here. Absolutely. See. This happened hundreds upon hundreds of times. We'll be going, who are we going to talk about now is a brother named Gabriel Prazer. Gabriel yeah. Prazer was the leader of an unsuccessful slave revolt in Richmond, Virginia. This was in 1800 at the prime of what we were going through, right? He was born in like 1775. He was owned by a white man named Thomas H. Prazer. Understand that even today, a lot of us got last names that come directly from some white man that used to beat your family. Never forget that, right? Gabriel Prizer at the time of the insurrection was about 24 years old. So this was a young black man doing this. He he started a revolution with other black slaves, Jack Bowler and George Smith. Now, Prizer and the other revolt leaders were probably influenced by the American Revolution and the French in the Haitian Revolution. We talk a lot about Haiti. Yeah. They were in they were influenced by seeing other brothers who was able to get this done. Now, of course, their slave revolt was forted. The brother was caught and killed you know how they do but just in general and this is gabriel prazer last name p-r-o-s-s-e-r -S -S -E look him up yes. do more research on this brother yourself you feel me but and Sonya, i, I just want to say how how e I, I i'm a fan of gabriel um prazer because he was um, an amazing like he he reminds me of harriet tubman harriet's favorite famous line is i'ma live free or die trying Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the in the spirit of that but i just want folks to recognize that if you don't know something about something that we're talking about google is your friend so i just while we were while i was listening to harrison tell about gabriel put in a simple search black slave revolts black revolutions in this country mm. and lots of stuff comes up one of my favorite is the stono Re um, rebellion oh, yeah. um you had the baptist wars that took place in this country you had that the haitian revolution which we already talked about you had germantown coastal uprising and a there's so many black folks and so many slave rebellions that we won't know about them all right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's impossible for us because the, the yes white folks documented this stuff but they didn't some of they some of their um actual historical pieces got once the um the civil war took place some of that stuff was burnt up intentionally so it, that they would have to tell the truth yes okay yes. so we have to be very very cognizant of the fact that they are have intentionally hid this stuff mm -hmm. if i were to think about someone that's close to home here in California who comes to mind for me is a lady by the name of Bridget. Her, she had a nickname, Biddy, <laughs> Bridget Mason. And when she, and she was a slave, um, she was Biddy Mason. Look her up. Mm -hmm. But she came to California with her slave master. She was a trained nurse. She ultimately was able to save her coins and get into real estate. She started, she's the founder of the first African Methodist Episcopal Church in Los Angeles, California. Hmm. Born That's in cool. 1818, died in 1891, born in Georgia, a slave. Mm -hmm. And when she got her freedom in California, she was able, because she was a nurse, she was a commodity, they trusted her skills 
And even though she, you know, of course, we were paid pennies on the dollar mm -hmm. compared to, you know, other nurses and doctors. But she got rich because back then, of course, the value of the dollar was different. And, you know, sometimes it was gold and, mm -hmm. you know, coming to California, which was the gold rush. Why folks came to California? Yep. And she bubbled her money up, became a millionaire and started the AME Church in Los Angeles, California, which we know is a, a state cornerstone in the black community. So it's a cornerstone, definitely, definitely. So everybody look, sometimes you, we talk about how hard we have it today, which, right. is, which is all facts. And sometimes you may think to yourself, damn, I can't start a business. I'm unmotivated to try this thing, not a financial thing, but something you love, something you want to do. Too many of us hate our jobs. Yeah. Too many people hate their jobs. And this isn't, you don't have to live that way. And some of these people can show you if I can fight violent racism, like the violent of the most violent racism to maneuver and play the game to a degree where I can still empower my people. I can still start. I can still start some sort of business. This is what everybody should be looking at. Yeah. You may, may you know what I mean, Sony, because these we have it hard now, but they were dealing with possibly dying tomorrow. Because you black, because you say the wrong thing. And they still say, you know what? I'm going to buy up this real estate. I'm going to maneuver in these environments where it's none of us. See, right. you don't have to go in white environments in code switch to a point where now you my enemy. Like that shit supposed to be a switch, you know, like on and off. <laughs> right. You, you cut it back off. Come out that room and play spook that said by the door. Come teach us something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So these are all important facts, everybody. I love this, man. We need to continue to share the individual. That's why Black History Month, when I see people sharing individuals, I may know, but I know people don't know. Yeah. I know the impact of that. When I do this, like I said before, I have a 50 year old man. Tell me, man, I watched your video. I ain't know nothing about that. At yeah. first, I was blown away. Yeah. Like, how is that even possible? Well, everybody not thinking the same way. Some of like a generation before us, they had to work too. They had to put their head down. They had to do different things that didn't give them the luxury of looking something up or looking at a encyclopedia or some other way. They had to get information. Yeah. Like Sonia said, we have Google now. And Absolutely. by searching the right way, you can find out anything you want about anybody. So don't let that be an excuse. So this is your brother Harrison. The Melanated Convo Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tuning in to another Thursday edition of the show. The next few weeks for February, we'll continue to enlighten you with different places, people, inspiring events, which is something we should do 365 days Absolutely. a year, which we do actually. But, you know, we're we going to use this month to um, highlight things that maybe you weren't thinking about. And hopefully you can continue it for the rest of the year. So Sonia, do me a favor and tell everybody where they can reach you. The best place to reach us is at the website. Um, if you're in interested in services, um, there's a little button on there to, to um, schedule a free discovery call. Really and truly go to go to the website, ascribesuccess.com. You can find, look at videos of, and content of workshops and things that we have led. Um, it has even, you know, we, we talk about social proof, which is important. Mm -hmm. It it will tell you people that I've worked with and, and places where I've been seen on um, so that you have an understanding that th we ain't new to this. We true to this. There you go. And, yeah. and the game is rich. And as long as we think from a deficit mentality, we won't do anything about the problems that ill this country. But mm -hmm. we have power to change that because we live in a resource rich country. There we go. There is one more thing before we go. Sonia, a uh, buddy of mine, Jansen Brooks, how you doing, Jansen? Asked the question, what do you think about Black Future Month? And I want to preference this. I've heard this, and we're we going to answer the question, Jansen, but I've heard this in response to, you know, why there shouldn't be a Black history. I'm tired of hearing about history. Let's go forward. That's yeah. the thinking, what I've seen this this narrative before. So what do you think about that, Sonia? I this mean, is a movie. Huh? 
this is a movement like and people do have to realize i i personally think that they need to go hand in hand like exactly. we can't make it into the future if so that we have to address some things from our past so that we don't make those same mistakes right mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time we do need to be thinking productively about the future yes. and the way that we think about that is preparing is coming up with a plan that's why reparations is so critical mm-hmm. right because we can take that the ideation of reparations whatever form fashion it comes in and we can plan for a black future that's and, a future uh, conversation reparations is a future if, 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 if they not future <laughs> <laughs> that is all about my future sir yeah. every yeah that 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 that's about the next three four generations so yeah i understand but like sonia said i think they go hand in hand if i get to talking to you about our history it's gonna morph into where we going right where we going what we doing they did that oh we can do there we go that's future (coughs) that's future and really the information about all of this should be a family thing anyway so waiting for february i'm not waiting on them to teach me or my children about nothing that happened to me so february is just like a bonus it's something i use for i know how the black mind thinks so i use it a little bit but yeah we could do this all year round. You feel me? And truth be told, the three of us, this ain't even ours to have. This is the next generation's to have. So truth be told, we need to let them lead in these spaces so that these conversations are reflecting whatever their needs are. You know, there's an expiration on life. We don't know when it's going to come and how it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. there is an expiration on everyone's life. And we have lived to, to a certain degree beyond Mm-hmm. What some of our ancestors have been afforded to live. Mm-hmm. And so we have to realize that these conversations need to center the needs of not even our kids, right? Because I, I think about the spectrum of age and ages of my kids, 28 to 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Really and truly, I need to be, we need to be thinking about their kids. That's, and really, I'm, me personally, at this, the, 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 the point I'm at in my life now, all of this is about the future. Yeah. None of like having conversations about history and what happens to my people and trying to mo. That's it's not gonna help me now per se. Right. Hopefully, it the the children and the people coming up behind, which I got fans that's like nineteen twenty, who yeah. I talk on the phone to and stuff. You know what I mean? So it's working. We just got to keep moving in the right direction. So this is your brother Harrison, Melanated Convo Podcast. Follow me on Instagram, man. Melanated Convo 100. All I do is, you know, it's history. It's jokes. <laughs> I'm a funny guy, I think. So I tell jokes it's and tell shit that's funny. You know, I'm, I'm all about our culture. Go ahead. Oh, 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 oh. And I'm going to die black. You ain't going to die nothing else. God damn it. I, I tell just you don't want to die because I'm black. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm trying to stay true to my challenge. I challenged myself this year. So every day this month, I'm wearing something that's going to make somebody uncomfortable. So this was my contribution to the movement this year um, for today. And so, yeah, we got to do this. There we go. I don't want to die. I'm a die black, but I don't want to die because I'm black. Because I'm black. That's it right there. So everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Melanie the Combo podcast. We out.